was like crazy, man. It's all scared. We don't know where to run. It's, it's crazy. The accounts of a brazen jewel heist and the footage behind a potentially dangerous scene inside a Scarborough Mall. What police and public are saying about it tonight. Good evening. We'll bring you that story shortly. But we start tonight with the aftermath of a crime that has outraged people across the city. A fatal lunchtime assault of a senior at a downtown corner many of us frequent daily. CTV Sean Lee Thong is live near King and Young tonight. Sean, what can you tell us about this terrible incident? Well, it happened, Michelle, in the area just behind me. It's something police are calling disturbing, disturbing in particular because it may have been unprovoked. A spot of blood on the sidewalk along Young Street marks the spot where a woman lay dying Friday morning, the victim of an assault that police say may have been unprovoked. The information we have is that she was pushed to the ground. She sustained serious injuries to her face and head area. But at this point in time, as I said, Pending the outcome of an autopsy, we can't confirm the cause of death at this point in time. It was 11.39 this morning when reports came in that a woman was being assaulted near the busy intersection of Young and King Streets. According to police, the victim was in her 70s or 80s. After 2 o'clock this afternoon, police made an arrest. You can see from this video a man believed to be in his 40s being taken into custody. Police say he's been so far charged with aggravated assault. It's pending the result of the autopsy to determine the actual cause of death. There could be other aggravating factors that occurred during the uh, during the interaction, which may have contributed to the cause of death, which may not directly be attributable to the suspect. Police also saying the arrested man may be connected to some property damage along Church Street from Friday morning. The sidewalk where the assault took place along the east side of Young, north of King, has been taped off for the investigation. Nervous, nervous, and uh, I'm a little bit afraid. This woman who works across the street saw the victim lying in the road. That's what I was nervous about because, like, uh, she, she didn't do anything. Others say they will not walk alone from now on. Seems like the city is getting a little bit dangerous now. More often we see this type of news. At this time, homicide has not taken over the investigation. And the area behind me has been cleared by police. They've taken down the police tape. And I contacted corporate communications from Toronto Police just a little while ago, and they said that any updates would be provided by media release. No telling when. Reporting live, I'm Sean Thong. Nathan, I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, Sean. Roughly this time last night, robbers set a plan in motion to carry out a dinner hour jewel heist inside a Scarborough Mall. What happened next left shoppers and business owners shocked and sent police on a citywide hunt for the criminals responsible. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us with the details. And Austin, walk us through the events last night. Well, some very frightening moments at this mall last evening when three men walked in armed with a gun. They robbed a jewelry store, but things got even more frightening when they tried to leave and their way was blocked. They started firing that gun. The security video shows a man approach the jewelry store and ask to be let in. He waits. There is a customer already in the shop. Three men can be seen in the background. After a few minutes, the door opens and the customer leaves. The man tries to enter. Three men approach. The robber in black pulls him away. The robber is armed with a gun. The man walks away while you can see the robbers inside the store smashing the glass cases. They are grabbing the gold jewelry as they ransack the business. We were there at the center of the mall. Everybody was like running and uh, the theft, they, while running, they opened fire. Like I heard three noises, the three gunshots I heard. Uh, they broke the glass and they broke out from there. It was like crazy, man. It's all scared. Uh, we don't know where to run. It's, it's crazy. The gunman had shot the glass out of the back door at the Majestic Mall on Markham Road. 
a tenant had locked the doors trying to thwart their escape. My mindset is only way they're going to the back door. So I blocked the back door, I locked the back door and then put the garbage bin in the middle. He says when the thieves found out the door was locked, they began to panic. They came in, came to came to the door and then so that's this they, they shoot the gun like two, two almost three times yeah and then they break the glass and windows this was not the first time this mall has been hit this security video of an attempted robbery in october but last evening was different the robbers fired their guns this is like the third time right do you this feel third time, yeah. do you feel safe i don't i don't think so no no after the gunshot uh, happened i don't think so i feel safe here Word spread quickly that there was a robbery in progress inside the mall, home to many jewelry boutiques. Like around there yelling, okay, there is thief, 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 please come and go to your shop and close the door because we have the jewelry shop, right? So we all go inside and lock the door and they took, they, they, they have the bag and put the jewelry in the bag and they run. Were you scared? Yes, I am. I have that shop. I was inside and I was so scared after hearing the, the gun uh, gunshot. Yeah. yeah. The thieves managed to get away in a waiting car. And police are looking for four men who escaped in a SUV, possibly a red RAV4. The owners of the store were not injured. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. A downtown holiday murder that angered our city is now making its way through the courts. Seven teenage girls accused of killing a homeless man just over a month ago. Each began their journey before a judge today. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us from Ontario Youth Court. And Andrew, you were in today's hearing. Indeed, Nathan. And these hearings for these seven co-accused, very different than most bail hearings you'll find, trying to speed up the process with one of the eight co-accused already now out on bail for three weeks, but chaotic with seven families trying to get into the courtroom, overflow. The judge even saying that she was being distracted by smirking coming from some of the co-accused at one point. It's a rarer way to start bail proceedings. The Crown goes through the evidence once for all seven accused still in custody, and then each defendant gets one day in court. The seven girls, all between 13 and 16 years old, were led into court handcuffed in jumpsuits or sweaters. To start, the Crown called the lead detective in the murder of 59-year-old Ken Lee. Police have called the attack a swarming. Lee's family calls his loss one still too painful to bear. Ken was a kind soul with a heart of gold, they wrote in a statement. He was not in the system due to alcohol or drug abuse. He was a man with pride who had fallen and wanted to learn to stand up on his own, knowing that he always had his family behind him. And his family now says there are flaws in the Youth Criminal Justice Act, asking how can it protect the public if the young defendants cannot be named when they could be in their child's classroom. That is cold comfort to the family of Kenley. But defense lawyer Ari Goldkind says that's exactly the point of the Youth Criminal Justice Act. They'll be back at school. They'll be back in the community. Nobody will know who they are ever. You could sit next to them, your child could be in an interaction with them, and you'll never know. That is actually the way the Youth Criminal Justice Act is supposed to work. Attorney Kim Schofield says young people accused of a crime are treated with extra protection to allow them to do the time, if convicted, but also move on with their lives. Remaining anonymous or not publishing uh, the name will, in the long run, not only help that accused but help the public uh, by rehabilitating. It's all about rehabilitation and reintegration into society. 
There have been calls for bail reform for violent crimes in recent weeks, but Goldkind says when it comes to young people, he doesn't see adjustments on the horizon. The bottom line, if somebody were to say to me, is the Youth Criminal Justice Act ever going to change so that you're ever going to find out more details about these people? The answer is a cold, hard, and to many people, disappointing no. So the bail hearing today with the Crown presenting their side ran well into the evening, also starting late, but trying to maintain schedule so that next week four of the co-accused can present their defenses in hopes of being free on bail, as well as the one already now free for three weeks. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Michelle, we'll send it back to you inside. Thank you, Andrew. Meantime, Toronto police have arrested a man who reportedly tried to push someone under the tracks this afternoon at Bloor and Young Station. No one was injured in that case. But in a separate incident, police are looking for a suspect in a sexual assault reported on TTC property. On Tuesday morning, police say this man followed a victim into the bathroom at Kennedy subway station where the alleged assault took place. The suspect fled before officers arrived. Looking west of the city, a woman is recovering from her injuries after a shooting this morning in Brampton. Peel police say they received a call just before 10 near Candy Crescent and Major William Sharp Drive. Paramedics say they transported a woman to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. A suspect was seen fleeing in this dark four-door car. Anyone with information or possible footage from the area is asked to contact police. New developments tonight surrounding Thursday's gun scare inside Mark Garneau Collegiate. The incident resulted in a lockdown and pushed a quarter of the student body to take an early weekend in protest. CTV's Janice Golding has our update. You You can hear the fear and hysteria in this teen's voice as she starts running from the school gym. It's the lunch hour at Mark Garneau Collegiate Institute, and students say a fight had just broken out when someone said they'd spotted a weapon. I was in the gym, you know. I just saw people running, screaming out there was a gun. Actif says he was there when it happened. So most people ran out of school. I, uh, like half the people went to change rooms to like you know stay safe and stuff. Panic ensued. Well, I just heard a lot of people screaming and running, and the school went into lockdown. I was still in the cafeteria. Then they locked the doors and all that. I was a little scared during the lockdown yesterday because I was just locked in a room in a corner as uh, we do in lockdowns. Rumors spread really fast. It was totally freaky. Toronto police say they were called to the Overly and Don Mills Area High School at 12:26 p.m. An 18-year-old was eventually taken into custody, but he was released without charges. A gun was not recovered, although police say the investigation continues. Students at Mark Garneau had already dealt with something similar earlier in the week, following reports someone in the area was armed. And students say their sense of security has been shaken. We've never had a lockdown this long. Feeling wor- worried about what's going on? In fact, 500 of the school's 1,800 students stayed home today. One hold them secure and one lockdown in one week isn't good. They're definitely way less safe than before. A few days ago, we had like a hold and secure in the area. And now a few days later, now we have a lockdown. So I don't know if they're connected or not, but there's not a lot that the school is doing currently. A December report found the TDSB is trending toward its most violent year on record. The board says it's taking the matter very seriously and is working with community partners and government to determine both causes and solutions. What is going on right now in this city and it's in communities and in families and in schools that would cause people to have, whether it's a replica gun or a real gun or a knife, and take it to school with them?
Earlier this week, a replica gun was allegedly confiscated from a student at an Etobicoke middle school, and a 13-year-old was charged with two counts of robbery with a weapon. And last week, a gun was fired in an East End Toronto high school, a bullet ending up in an outreach worker's shoe. Janice Golding, CTV News. What's behind the rising trend of violence in TDSB schools, and could it be linked to isolation during the pandemic? We look at possible root causes later in the show. York Regional Police have recovered nearly $1.3 million in stolen gold and silver after officers appear to be in the right place at the right time. On December 10th, police say three masked suspects entered and robbed a precious metal store near Bloor and Shaw while carrying a firearm. They tried to flee in a stolen vehicle driven by a fourth youth, but... York Regional Police officers happen to be in the area investigating these same suspects for other armed robberies. The car and suspects were stopped and police recovered a trove of stolen medals and a loaded handgun. Two 15-year-old boys and two 17-year-old boys from Toronto face a combined 40 charges. Real estate experts say rent payments surged for many tenants in the GTA last year. Data company Urban Nation analyzed condo lease agreements and found that rents increased by an average of nearly 17% last year. That was in units that were not subject to the province's annual rent increase guideline of 1.2% in 2022. Urban Nation says it expects a surge in both condo supply and demand this year, with rent increases closer to 5%. The mayor and city councillors were in Scarborough this morning as a new supportive housing project begins to take shape. Today's announcement serves as an important reminder of the need for critical, affordable, supportive housing in the city and the work that yet remains to be done. Officials were on hand near Kennedy Road in the 401 to welcome the delivery of pre-made modular housing units. When completed, the site will provide 57 permanent homes to people experiencing homelessness. Time for our first look at weather, and a special event is on their way in Scarborough leading up to Lunar New Year celebrations. In the middle of it all is our Lindsay Morrison. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, we're here at Woodside Square. This is a lantern festival that's happening. It is absolutely beautiful. So many colors to check out, and we are going to be checking this out throughout the hour. I want to introduce you to Laura Liu. Uh, Laura, these lanterns all handcrafted. Tell us a little bit about this event. Okay, awesome. So welcome to Woodside Square Shopping Center. Those lanterns that you see besides of me, they all handmade. And this is our first time to bring them to Toronto of the Canada. And as you can see, within like six months preparation, 15 artisan from China, we handcraft this Love and Peace Latin Festival, which is really amazing, right? And uh, thank you for the sponsor by Nifa Development Company. Thank you for their support and investment. And also, I want to emphasize, we want to this one really can inspire the West with our traditional Chinese craftsmanship men. And uh, also, I want to emphasize that we are really confident that that uh, we hope this one can really illuminate the winter of the Toronto for all you and your family. So welcome to Usa Square and looking forward to see you on site. 
You are illuminating the night here in Toronto, especially on a night like this. Let's take a look at the weather conditions. You know, temperature-wise, we're starting to feel a little bit of a chill out here. It is currently zero in Toronto, but it feels like minus five. Not much to show you on the satellite and radar. We do have a few flurries here and there. And then as we take a look at tonight at a glance, you'll want to bundle up if you do have Friday evening plans. We're going to take you through your weekend forecast live here from the Lantern Festival coming up on CTV News. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. And as the festival illuminates winter, the boys of summer are in town celebrating winter at a Toronto school. It's part of the Blue Jays' annual winter tour, back for the first time since the pandemic. It's a chance for students to get up close with their favorite players and have fun. CTV's Mike Walker has the story. They were loud and pumped to see their favorite Toronto Blue Jays up close. So fun. I can't believe this actually happened. The Blue Jays winter tour visiting Humewood Community School this afternoon, including players Adam Simber, Santiago Espinal, Jordan Romano, newly acquired Chris Bassett and Kevin Kiermeyer, and fan favorite Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The fact that I got the high five Vladimir Guerrero and everybody on the team was, like, mind-blowing. A pep rally that included the OK Blue Jays song, though the players appeared to be stumped on the dance moves. I think I was a little bit nervous in front of everyone, so I just forgot it a little bit. And while the Jays offered some important advice... Stay in school. Some lucky students had a chance to ask the Jays questions. Which team was the easiest, was the easiest to play this year? The Yankees. The Yankees! Some baseball-related... What's your favorite Others, not quite. Anybody like Kit Kat? That's my favorite. I asked um, if they ever look at the Jumbotron while they're like, uh, like while people are on the screen. And they said like, they don't really look at themselves. They like to see everyone on the, on the chairs like screaming. The annual winter tour back for the first time in three years after COVID-19. Means a lot to me. Uh, coming back uh, to Toronto, I mean, with the kids and all the, all the fans, it's uh, unbelievable. Everything is starting to really sink in now. Like, I, I felt like a Blue Jay before, but being here and experiencing all this, and awesome. How do you not? I'm so excited. The event capped off with a jersey signed by all six players and the team donating baseball equipment to the school. An afternoon these young fans will never forget. Once in a lifetime thing for everyone. Mike Walker, CTV News. With controversy swirling around his government's handling of the housing file, Doug Ford is finally facing questions over the issue. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris reports on what the premier is saying and how his critics are reacting. Speaking for the first time since the launch of two investigations into opening parts of the Greenbelt to build homes. Well, I'm confident no one uh, gave anyone a heads up. Ontario's Integrity Commissioner is looking at whether the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing tipped anyone off. Some previously protected plots of land were bought not long before the government announced the change. Steve Clark has said he looks forward to being cleared of wrongdoing. It's not government land. It's private individuals' land that have the right to sell it to anyone they want. The government expects 50,000 homes to go up on the 15 newly opened tracts of land. We have people coming here. We need to build homes. We're going to build homes. Critics say this isn't a choice between building or protecting the Greenbelt. There is no land supply shortage. There is a housing supply shortage. And there is a vast glut of land that's just sitting vacant and already open for development. 
While the premier stresses the lands picked. It's not just in the middle of some uh, marsh or something. It's butt up against an existing community. The opposition is baffled. Most of this land doesn't have any services attached to it yet. So it's going to cost municipalities, Ontarians, a lot of money to service these areas with roads and sewage. The incoming NDP leader says these plots were protected for a reason. Some of that land, it was because it is very environmentally important, uh, because it will help us to also prevent things like flooding. The OPP anti-rackets branch is looking into allegations that developers may have had a heads up, deciding whether or not to launch an investigation. That's encouraging to environmental defense, but the group wants to know why these lands were chosen. That decision in itself doesn't pass the sniff test, and that's why we're so excited to see the Auditor General uh, with a mandate to look into the sketchiness of that substantive decision. The Auditor General is looking at both the financial and environmental implications of allowing development on those 15 plots of land pulled from the Greenbelt. Bonnie Lissick plans to share her findings later this year. At Queen's Park, Siobhan Morris, CTV News. And the Premier's comments came today as he unveiled an expansion of a grant initiative for healthcare workers in training. The Learn and Stay program offers to fund tuition, books, and other costs. In return, participants are expected to remain and work in underserved communities after graduation. Additional steps are being taken at Pearson Airport to help track new COVID-19 variants coming into Canada. We're also putting in place additional wastewater pilot projects at the Toronto and Vancouver airports that will focus on direct flights originating from China and Hong Kong. Work is underway with industry partners, and these two projects are expected to start later this month. The federal government announced restrictions earlier this month denying entry to all passengers arriving from China who do not have a negative COVID-19 test. The same measure applies to travelers from Macau. We're learning more tonight about the person killed in last week's tragic explosion at a St. Catharines chemical plant. Our John Musselman spoke with family who tells the story of a man with big dreams in both life and love. His name was Ryan Conkin. He loved fishing, he loved cooking, and he loved his family. Oh, he was such a good man. The 37-year-old died in hospital after he was critically injured in a chemical plant explosion in St. Catharines on January 12th. Today, we spoke to his sister, Nicole, who lives in Edmonton. He was such a kind spirit, and he'd always just tell people, like, everything's going to be okay, and I really wouldn't going to miss that. She says her brother was recently engaged and had worked at the plant for two years. His fiance drove him to work that morning. She just dropped him off at the gate. He walked through the gate, and that was the last she saw of him. And then um, I, when she was just down the road, that's when the building had exploded. Conkin survived the initial blast, but he had burns to more than 90% of his body. And somehow he walked away from that, got to a hospital, was still conscious. Um, and the last thing that he said was, all I did was open the door. Family and friends have started a GoFundMe campaign to help out his fiance. They had a dream to purchase and operate a food truck. They just received the license the day before the explosion. Conkin says her brother liked his job. He sorted chemicals and cleaned out the containers. But he also told her it could be dangerous work. I want to know how something like that could happen, obviously. Um, there's a lot of things that are kind of um, rising that the investigation will figure out. So we just need to hold tight and see what they discover. Conkin grew up in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. He also lived in Alberta before moving to St. Catharines 12 years ago. That's where he met the woman he fell in love with. 
A candlelight vigil will be held on Saturday evening at Lakeside Park. John Musselman, CTV News, St. Catharines. And an update on a townhouse explosion in Kitchener we told you about yesterday. Police tonight say this home is now a crime scene, and they have evidence the residence was used for making illegal drugs. The explosion sent four people to hospital. A man and a woman were seriously hurt and remain in hospital, while two children were treated for minor injuries. Damage is pegged at more than a million dollars. The findings run contrary to everything we've been told for years. Researchers at the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario say returning to school shortly after a concussion can lead to faster recovery. CTV's Judy Trin has those details. Leila LaBelle got a concussion while doing dryland training with her cross-country ski team. I was running and then I fell and hit my neck on a bench. And then I was, and then uh, my coach is called the ambulance and they put me on a spinal board and brought me to Chio. LaBelle was dizzy, had blurred vision and headaches, but returned to school after missing only two days on the advice of her doctor, who is an emergency room pediatrician and concussion researcher. Getting back to school is something that kids need to do, and it's so important that this study reinforces that not only is it uh, safe and encouraged, but may actually help them recover faster. In a study for the Chio Research Institute, Zemek analyzed data from more than 1,600 youth between the ages of 5 and 18 who visited ERs across Canada suffering from concussions. His research team found that kids who returned to school within two days, even with symptoms, recovered better overall. They were less stressed and went back to a normal sleep schedule faster and resumed physical activities earlier. Having someone stay in a dark room, just worry, be socially isolated is probably going to lead to more worries, to more fears, which may trigger more symptoms and create a negative feedback loop or, or another word, a vicious cycle. Zemek says it's important for schools to accommodate concussed students with lighter workloads until symptoms disappear. Armed with medical guidance, LaBelle's mom says she was ready to advocate for her daughter. For me, I have to trust the clinician who's taking care of her. Um, and so that's how I made that decision. We had really clear guidance on what she could do and what she couldn't do. The Canadian Pediatric Society is also updating its concussion guidelines. It's now encouraging children and youth to return to school as soon as possible and says medical clearance is no longer necessary. Judy Trin, CTV News, Ottawa. Coming up, why has there been so much school violence lately? Examining the root causes amid a rash of incidents leaving students, teachers, and parents on edge. And I'm Pat Four, and coming up, it's Feedback Friday. Viewers had a lot to say about prepaid Visa gift cards that are allowed to expire. More shoppers sound off on rising food prices, and a student who got scammed out of $800 recently got some good news. Feedback Friday is just ahead. Well, you can really appreciate the detail on these lanterns when you see them up close. And there are so many to enjoy here at the Lantern Festival at Woodside Square in Scarborough. It's a special weekend, too, to all of those celebrating Happy Lunar New Year. Here's a look at your forecast into the day on Sunday. It is worth mentioning that we have some light snow in store. We're going to break down the timing of it, give you an idea of how many centimeters of snow are in your weekend weather forecast. That's coming up here on CTV News, live from the Lantern. Festival here at Woodside Square and stay with us. We have another great night of shows for you tonight right here on CTV.
Our recent consumer stories include a couple who had cancer medication go missing in lost luggage and a young artist who got caught in a check overpayment scam. While many people thought gift cards are never allowed to expire in Ontario, there are some that still can. Pat Foran joins us with Feedback Friday. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, most gift cards can't expire in Ontario, but mall cards, cards for services like massages and pedicures, and prepaid credit gift cards can expire. After our story, some viewers went through their wallets and found gift cards that are now worth nothing. It says the perfect gift. Carol Adela Mattia had a $250 prepaid Visa gift card that got put away during the pandemic. When she went to use it, she was shocked to be told it had expired and was worthless. People should be made aware that these cards expire. Revan wrote, my boss gave me a prepaid credit gift card and when COVID hit, I tucked it away. Now all the funds are gone so much for the perfect gift. They've got a huge problem. Karen Bailey and David Baker had three suitcases with them on a trip to the Bahamas. Two of them got lost. One ended up in Dubai. The lost bags contained Baker's cancer medications. So we had to pack those in the checked bags. But a viewer said the couple could have carried on all their necessary medicine. The Government of Canada's website says prescription medication is exempt from liquid restrictions but must be presented to the screening officer separately from your carry-on baggage. I love basketball. I loved it when I was a kid. Brandon Bagawi is an art student, and a woman asked him to paint a portrait of her daughter from a photo. She said by mistake she sent him $1,100 and asked him to send back $800. When he did, her check bounced, and he was scammed. I'm a university student. I don't have a lot of money. But Brandon recently told us, following your report, someone bought one of my paintings for $500, and I was asked to be an illustrator of a children's book. Thanks, CTV, for sharing my story. Rising grocery prices are causing financial hardship for many families. We did a story on a small head of lettuce, not much bigger than a baseball, selling for almost $5. They are really, really small, and then it's so pricey. Viewers also said don't forget about pet food prices. Susan wrote, my dog's pet food just went from $29 to $46 a bag, and it's not even high-end product. And pet food prices were up about 15% last year over the year before. That's higher than the cost of groceries since pet foods use many of the same ingredients as human food. Prices are likely to remain high. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. A fresh warning tonight about financial fraud after one person in Wellington County was scammed out of half a million dollars. The OPP says this was a cryptocurrency scheme. The victim allegedly sunk the money into a fake investment firm over a six-month period. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says more than $77 million was reportedly lost to similar schemes in 2021. Let's lighten things, shall we? Literally, a beautiful lantern festival in Scarborough. It's truly an incredible sight. Yeah, it looks awesome and definitely something to do if you are in that area near Woodside Square. Lindsay. Yeah, and you know, Nathan and Michelle, I'm learning that it's very, uh, it's a common thing for families celebrating the Lunar New Year, which is happening this weekend, to not only enjoy a delicious meal together, but to then come and enjoy lights just like this one. I want to introduce you to Lynn, who's with Heidi Lau Hot Pot. Tell me a little bit about what Lunar New Year might look like in your restaurant. Um, so normally, Chinese people will spend their time with uh, their families, and then they will go to uh, eat hot pot with dumplings like that. 
And uh, this festival is wonderful. It's great to have it right outside of your restaurant. Are you enjoying this? Yeah, the, I really appreciate that this festival will bring uh, our customer another acti activity other than eating hot pot. Yeah. And we could all use hot pot on a night like this because it's a little bit cold out here tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, for our restaurant, we will have like the face changing show during night. And uh, for the face changing show, it's just like a... a the performer will suddenly change the face with like some tiger face, some cat face, like that. And we also have the dancing noodle show, which like the performer will go each table and they will like uh, uh, performing like a very long noodle show like that. Yeah, it sounds absolutely wonderful. And thank you so much for telling us about it tonight. Mm -hmm. It's such a pleasure to be here. And as we were saying, illuminating the winter because the season is really going to start uh, going as soon as we make our way into next week. I know we haven't had a whole lot of winter yet, but that is about to change. We're going to begin by letting you know that weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Overall, not a lot of active weather today. We had some light flurries at times. Uh, Look at the satellite and radar. You can see all that snow has moved off into portions of Atlantic Canada where it is going to be a very wintry weekend this weekend. We have a quiet day ahead for Saturday. It's going to be mostly cloudy. I'm remaining optimistic that we'll see maybe a couple of breaks in the cloud and maybe some sun. We're pausing it here just to show you that potential. But as things go on, we look ahead to Sunday and the potential for some snow. So maybe some flurries beginning in the morning. The snow becomes a little more steady in the afternoon, and then it tapers off into Sunday evening, moves out by Monday. At this point, I'm thinking anywhere from maybe two to three centimeters of snow. Some areas could see up to five. Tonight's low, minus five. Wind chill, minus seven. Tomorrow's high, two degrees. Here's a look at what you can expect as we make our way through the next couple of days. As far as that cold is concerned, yes, it is coming. As we make our way into the late part of next week, we're really going to be feeling it. Here is the seven-day forecast. Watch those overnight lows next Wednesday and Thursday and uh, nearing the minus double-digit territory. I've also got my eye on next Wednesday for the next round of measurable snow. We are here at the Lantern Festival here at Woodside Square in Scarborough. It's a beautiful night to come out and enjoy. We'll have a lot more for you coming up here on CTV News. Nathan and Michelle, back to you. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Shooting for the stars. The stage is being set for commercial space launches in Canada. We want to convey the message loud and clear, not only to Canadians, but also to foreign countries and businesses that Canada intends on being a leader in the field of space. The federal government wants to authorize commercial satellite launches within the next three years. So Ottawa says it's developing the necessary regulations, safety standards and licensing conditions. But some launches could be approved before then on a case-by-case -case basis. Meanwhile, the first Native American woman in orbit has completed her first spacewalk. NASA astronaut Nicole Mann was joined today by a Japanese colleague, another first-time spacewalker. They helped install support struts and brackets for new solar panels launching this summer. The pair will depart the space station in a month or so. Also tonight, examining the root causes of a rise in school violence. Experts weigh in on what could be to blame and how to best address the current struggles among students.
We return now to the issue of weapons calls in Toronto schools and tr a troubling trend that has prompted a search for answers and root causes. As CTV's Natalie Johnson reports, some experts suggest these violent incidents could be linked to the mental health impacts of the pandemic. Students returning to school the day after a gun call at Mark Garneau Collegiate Institute were weary about the latest incident. I just think there's a lot of violence in our school. Violence just happens because it's part of life. The Garneau lockdown, just the latest in a string of weapon-related calls in Toronto schools in recent weeks and months. But really the main question is what is contributing to such behavior, you know? Behind every behavior uh, is an unmet need. Some experts suggest that the pandemic may be in part to blame. Young people separated from their peers at a critical time in their development. I think youth missed perhaps some of those developmental tasks and learning that they would do when they're face to face with peers in the school context. Some now struggling to re-socialize with social media potentially reinforcing negative behavior with every view and like. I think that that's when some of these issues can begin to, to get out of hand. Right. If there's a fight, someone uh, uh, gets beat up, there's a video of it and it begins to spread on social media. I think that that could really trigger um, retaliation. You can see how things could ramp up. So when they get together, they start at a very different level of knowing that the other approves of their deviancy. The task now, experts say, is addressing the youth mental health troubles that spiked during the pandemic, a time when the services in place to deal with them were also disrupted. How do we connect them with caring adults, uh, with folks who offer, you know, culturally reflective services and programs, whether that's schools, that's uh, community agencies, nonprofits. Giving youth the tools to deal with difficult dynamics without the use of violence. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. Our next story highlights the mental health struggles many people face today in our lead up to Bellet's Talk Day. It focuses on one Burlington woman and how through her hard work and the help of family, there can be hope for those who can sometimes feel hopeless. Our health reporter Pauline Chan explains. Augustina Ampofo looks back at photos from her past with her husband Tim Claussen. I actually went through a first episode of psychosis in 2012 where I was hearing voices for nine months straight, 24 hours a day, and yeah, it was pretty intense. The voices told her that her food was poisoned and even that she should kill herself. But fortunately, with her dad's help, she was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and got treatment. And then I was placed into an early psychosis intervention program, which basically saved my life. She was fortunate to get help very fast, within three months. And while she tried medication, she found her healing came from cognitive behavioral therapy and the arts, painting, music and dance. Well, because I couldn't find the words to describe what I was going through or what psychosis was doing and how I felt emotionally deep down inside, I could use dance to express that. Now she counsels youth about psychosis and the various ways to find healing, but she knows the journey can be much harder without someone to open up to. I actually had a nurse that was Ganyan too, and she sat down, she listened to my story, and that was so impactful for me because I had never actually encountered a woman of color who was working in mental health before. Ampofo, whose parents came from Ghana, says for new immigrants, approaching the health care system can be confusing and scary. 
While Canadian figures are limited, in the U.S., just 2% of psychiatrists are black and just 4% of psychologists. 60% uh, of people said that they would be more willing to use a mental health service if there was a black provider. And Pofo says Bell Let's Talk Day has done much to lift the stigma surrounding mental illness. Now she wants steps to improve access, especially for more vulnerable communities. Pauline Chan, CTV News. CTV News Toronto is a division of Bell Media. And let's, Bell Let's Talk Day is next week, Wednesday, January 25th. More tributes today from fans and friends of David Crosby after his death Thursday at age 81. The rock pioneer was remembered by his former bandmates, Graham Nash and Stephen Stills. And today, Neil Young wrote, David is gone, but his music lives on. The soul of Crosby, Stills and Nash. David's voice and energy were at the heart of our band. Thanks, David, for your spirit and songs. Love you, man. I remember the best times. And following the death of Lisa Marie Presley last week, her daughter Riley Keough is breaking her social media silence. Keough posted a throwback photo of her and her mom on Instagram today with a heart emoji. A public memorial service is scheduled for this Sunday at Graceland. More exciting news this week for BTS fans. Disney Plus has set a release date for a documentary focusing on one of the K-pop stars. Band member Jay Hope dropped his first solo album, Jack in the Box, last July. Now Disney's releasing a behind-the-scenes documentary showing how the rapper's music and performances came together. It will be called Jay Hope in the Box and debuts February 17th. Several mu music legends are out with a new song set to feature in an upcoming football comedy. It's Dolly Parton led the charge of the song Gonna Be You. She's joined on the track by Belinda Carlisle, Cindy Lauper, Gloria Estefan, and Debbie Harry. The song appears on the soundtrack of 80 for Brady, which follows four friends' wild journey to see their sports hero at the Super Bowl. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. She was pushed to the ground. She sustained serious injuries to her face and head area. Updating our top stories, an elderly woman is dead following a suspected unprovoked attack downtown. Witnesses say she was pushed to the ground at Young and King. Police have one man in custody. Crazy man. It's all scared. We don't know where to run. Security video helps tell the tale of a terrifying jewelry heist in Scarborough. It shows three masked men smashing cases at a store at the Majestic Mall. When a tenant blocked the doors with a garbage bin, the thieves shot through the glass to escape. No arrests have been made. Back to school is something that kids need to do. A new study on concussions finds, contrary to popular belief, getting kids back to school sooner after an injury can mean a faster recovery. The research from the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario looked at more than 3,000 youths between the ages of 5 and 18. On the markets, the Canadian dollar was up almost half a cent to 74.74 U.S. Oil gained 98 cents to close at 81.31 U.S. a barrel. And the TSX jumped 161 points to end the day at 20,503.
The Toronto International Boat Show is revving up its annual gathering today. The event brings together stakeholders in the boating industry, boating enthusiasts, and anyone curious about the latest in boating designs and products. It also features the world's largest indoor lake. That's where CP24's Jian Lee got to try her hand at wakeboarding this morning. She looks pretty good. She also got to take a ride on, there it is, a new type of electric personal watercraft, the Orca Carbon. Wow, it's so quiet. And so what's the response been like so far? It's been really wonderful. I mean, the accolades and the awards have been a nice inter, uh, international recognition. Yeah. Um, but we've really had a ton of, of interest, obviously, with orders, and, and they're, they're being delivered, so we're going to see more and more of them out on the waterways. The Toronto International Boat Show is on at the Entercare Centre through to January 29th. Stunned into silence, just ahead meet the GTA woman who is suddenly $60 million richer and grateful she finally checked her two-month-old ticket. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. An Ontario woman is $60 million richer after discovering she won the Lotto Max jackpot several months ago and didn't even know about it. Right after my prayers, I started like screaming. I think I was on my tippy-toes, like just shouting that, like screaming, I am the big winner of Richmond Hill. Camelia Kazemi-Talachi won the November 29th jackpot, but only found out Monday when she checked her ticket at a gas station. She says she plans to share the money with family while also traveling and creating jobs as an entrepreneur. Very lucky. Let's check in with Lindsay one last time at the Lantern Festival at Woodside Square. Lindsay. Well, Nathan and Michelle, we've made it to the European section of the lanterns. Look how beautiful these are. There are about uh, 100 to 200 different lanterns you can come down and check out here at Woodside Square for their Lantern Festival. Let's check out one more look at the forecast as we make our way into the day tomorrow. Pretty pleasant if you're hoping to do some skating or any other winter activity. Just make sure you bundle up. One more look at the seven-day forecast. It's cold in the long range, and we're eyeing Wednesday for the next round of snow. That's after this Sunday. I Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Happy Lunar New Year. I'll send it back to you, Nathan and Michelle. Same to you, Lindsay. Thank you. And that's it for us. Be sure to join Sandy Ronaldo tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.